Hey everyone, let me have my welcome to Honeys from the Start. My name's Mark, I'm one of the ministers here. It's great to have you here for our carol service this evening. And what we're going to do now in this part of the service is take a look at that third reading. You can see um, part of it printed out in your bulletin on the inside. So we're going to focus in on verses 6 to 13. And what I want to do is pull out of it three insights to give us real joy this Christmas. Three insights. We're going to look at the witness of Christmas, the shock of Christmas, and the wonder of Christmas. Okay, so the first thing to see, the witness of Christmas. Because if you glance down at verse 6, we are introduced to this man called John. This is not the author John writing the gospel. This is a guy called John the Baptist, who we are told comes as a witness to testify concerning the light. He himself was not the light, that's Jesus. He came only as a witness to the light. Now, when we hear the word witness, when we hear the word testify, we normally think that we're in the realm of a law court and someone giving eyewitness testimony. Hey, judge, this is what really happened. And you might think to yourself, hang on a sec, Mark, isn't this the Christmas story? And the Christmas story has um, virgin births and how is that scientifically possible? And the Christmas story has angels, and who believes in those today? And the Christmas story has like angels moving in the night sky and telling the wise men where to go. And surely we are in the realm of fiction, make-believe. Did you notice how John does not start his gospel with once upon a time, fairy tale style? We're not in a galaxy far, far away, science fiction style. At verse 6, John roots us very firmly in history with this figure, John the Baptist, that we saw from the first reading, was the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. We know he grew up in the hill country of Judea. He was alive at the time of King Herod, and John is saying, look, I am writing history here. I am making the claim that this really did happen in space-time history, historical fact. A few years back, the Church of England did a survey of people's beliefs um, about Christmas time, about the birth of Jesus Christ. Did you know that 40% of people, at least in this survey, if it was, I don't know how big the sample size was, 40% of people in this survey said that they weren't even sure that Jesus was a real person. That many people today believe that Jesus is a, a, a fictional character, a mythical character. He's not actually real which shows just how far our current culture's understanding of Christianity has moved away from its historical roots. The Jewish historian Josephus, writing in AD 93, very famous historian, in his account talks about Jesus, who is called the Christ. The Roman historian Tacitus, writing in early 2nd century, he talks in his account, historical account, about Jesus being under the death penalty in the reign of Tiberius. So here are two very famous historians from that time, one Jewish, one Roman, neither of them favorable to Christianity, and both of them saying, this guy is real. He existed. New Testament scholar Bart Ehrman, who himself doesn't believe in God, nevertheless, in his book, did Jesus exist, the historical argument for Jesus of Nazareth, he goes as far as to say that whatever else you may think about Jesus, he certainly did exist. 
And this view is held by virtually every expert on the planet. Now, of course, that does not make Jesus the Son of God. That does not make him the Savior of the world. But it does make Jesus real, which is the first step, given that 40% of the population now don't think he was a fictional character. But it also means this eyewitness testimony is real too. And we can look into it today. And we may discover that there's more to Jesus than we originally thought or we were led to believe. And perhaps after all, he is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And it's not just the Gospels that bear witness to Jesus Christ. We've got all of the Old Testament too. Thousands of years of testimony. The temple system, the sacrificial lamb, all pointing forward and bearing witness to Jesus Christ. Hundreds of prophecies that stretch all the way back to the dawn of humanity. And every single one, all 353, perfectly fulfilled in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. John is saying this really did happen. Many people today think that um, in order to be a Christian, you need to leave your brain at the door. And you need to stop thinking rationally. And you just need to shut your eyes and take a leap of faith. I hope you can see that is not the case at all. That has never been the case at all. The Greek word for faith, for belief, pistis, used 228 times in the New Testament. Every single time it is used as belief based on evidence. John, at the end of this gospel, says the reason I'm writing this, showing you all these signs, these evidences of Jesus Christ that he did in the presence of his disciples, is that so that you may believe that he is the Christ and by believing have life in his name. Belief based on historical evidence. And that is why some of the most eminent scientists in the world today are believers in the Christmas story. Perhaps the most famous of all, Francis Collings, who led the Human Genome Project and now directs the National Institute of Health in America. So if you have never had the chance personally to look into the claims of Jesus Christ rigorously yourself. Can I encourage you to do so? We've got these John's Gospels. They're there on the back two tables. You can take one. They're free. They're our Christmas gift for you this year. Love you to take one and examine the historical witness for Jesus Christ yourself. So that's the witness of Christmas. Second thing I want us to see, though, is the shock of Christmas. Because you might say to me, like, well, look, if there's so much evidence for Jesus and so much you know, witness testimony that I can look at, why don't more people believe in Jesus? Like, why doesn't everyone believe in Jesus? Take a look at verses 9 to 11. 9 to 11, the true light, that is Jesus Christ, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world... And though the world was made through him, the world what? Welcomed Jesus with open arms? Praised him and said, Hallelujah? No, that's not what the verse says. It says, And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, and that's the Jewish nation. But his own did not receive him. Friends often say to me, look, Mark, if I was there back then, living at the time of Jesus, and if I could see him with my own eyes, if I you know, could witness for myself what he said and what he did, his teaching, his miracles, then I would believe. But I'm not so sure. Because look what happened at the first Christmas. 
When God was born into the world, the world that he has made, and the world did not receive him, even his own people, who had all the Old Testament prophecies and all of the Old Testament, even they did not believe in Jesus Christ. So what is going on? The light comes into the world. People prefer the darkness. Why? We're not actually told here. This is just the prologue, the opening of John's gospel. But come chapter 3, Jesus will say more on this. And in a nutshell, he basically says one of the main reasons why people do not naturally want to come into the light, come to him, is out of a fear of being exposed. A fear of being seen for who they really are and what may come of it. My wife and I, we are a huge, well, we're huge fans of House MD, um, the TV series, medical drama with Hugh Laurie. Do you know this? It was uh, 2004 to 2012, eight seasons of it. Amazon Prime have it, so you can catch up there. But in one, season, in one episode in season five, um, there is this man who completely loses his um, inhibitions. Um, and so just says everything that's on his mind, what he's truly thinking, what he's truly feeling, he just lets it all out, there's no filter, he can't help it. People get to see him for who he really is. Um, and so he ends up um, insulting you know, clients who are difficult to work with and insulting co-workers who are doing a pretty poor job and can't help but tell his wife and family what he really thinks about them. And it starts to destroy all of his relationships as people see him, for, as he's exposed and people see him for who, who he really is. Meanwhile, Dr. House's medical team, they diagnose that there's something wrong in his brain, a frontal lobe disorder, and they reckon that they can do a very delicate brain surgery operation to cure him. But they warn him, they say, look, this is hugely complicated, we don't know if it's going to work, you might die, just the slightest mistake, it's all going to be over for you. What do you reckon? The man says, I want it, I want it straight away. I don't care if I could die from this, I don't care of the risks involved, I cannot keep living like this any longer being exposed like this, and people seeing me for who I really am. Look, now, I don't know if that story resonates with you too. I don't know if you ever have that fear of being exposed. The fear of people seeing you for who you really are. You want people to love you. You want to love the real me. I want to open up more to me. But will they accept me? What will they say to me? How will they respond? And so we have this fear of exposure, and so we hold back from people, and ultimately hold back from God. I mean, he's the light, the light of the world, full of grace and truth, full of holiness. I'm like, oh my goodness, God, I don't know. Do I open up? What is he going to say to me? What is he going to do to me? What are the consequences for me? Now, if that's you, I know it's me. And in many ways, it is all of us. Let's move on thirdly and finally to the wonder of Christmas. Because just look at verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so here is Jesus being born into the world, being born into the darkness, the Son of God who knows all the secrets of our hearts. And what does he do? Does he condemn us, condemn humanity? Does he cancel us? Does he get angry with us? No, he doesn't. He could have done. He had any rights to. But instead, he moves out towards us, is born into this world, ultimately dies for humanity so that we can become part of the family of God. And he gives us the right to become children of God. 
Now, I'm conscious that as soon as we start talking about a family, being part of a family, look, that could be difficult at this time of year. I'm conscious that, yeah, for some here, family upbringing may not have been a happy one, and perhaps for some, there's going to be an empty chair around the dinner table this Christmas. It's going to make life really hard. When Jesus speaks about belonging to God's family, being a child of God, he is talking about all the positive connotations that we have with family, and none of the negative ones. So think of a a family where you truly belong, you have a home, you'll never be cast out. Think of a family where you are nurtured and can grow and learn and, and make mistakes without fear of reprisal. Think of a family full of mercy and forgiveness that when you fail and you fall and you sin, there is always a way back, there's always a fresh start. Think of a family where the bond is so tight it can never be broken no matter how dark, not even death itself can break this family bond. Think of a family where people see you for who you really are and they still love you and they're committed to you and they will never let you go. That is what Jesus is talking about here. This sort of family, the right to become children of God. And all we have to do is receive it. Do you notice that in verse 12? To all who did Receive him. To all, whoever you are, whatever your background, whatever you've done, receive him. Believe in his name. We have the right to become children of God. So notice it's not automatic to become part of the family of God. We need to receive it, receive him, receive Jesus, open up, and let the light in. So by all means, please do check out this evidence here. Grab one of these. Read it through. Look at the eyewitness testimony. Investigate the claims of Jesus Christ. But at the end of the day, it is a matter of the heart. And will we open up to Jesus, open our hearts, open our lives, and let the light in, the light of his love and his forgiveness. We have nothing to fear from Jesus. He sees the deepest depths of your hearts. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he's here and he's come for you. Ultimately, he died for you. This love, this forgiveness, this grace, this mercy, it is real. This is not make-believe. And it can be yours right now. He's calling out to you. Receive me. Believe in my name. You can do it today. And if you do, you will have real joy this Christmas. Well, look, thanks for listening. Let me finish with a short prayer.